Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Something different again. Um, This time, I have a conversation with two ladies. Uh, This is the first time that um, I've tried this. I think it worked quite well, actually, even if I say so myself. So Bev and Kate from Clear Thinking, they are an amazing uh, double act, an amazing duo that help us all think a little bit more clearly. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I have the immense pleasure. In fact, actually, this is the first time uh, there's ever been three people on the podcast. So it's with great pleasure, I would love to introduce Bev and Kate of Clear Thinking. How are you both? We're really good, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> I'm yeah. loving the enthusiasm, Lee, already. Yeah, well, no, this, this is just me 24-7. This is um, with, with, with no caffeine. So... Um, in fact, just before we hit record, I said, which, which way around is it? Bev, Bev, Bev or Kate? Bev and Kate, Kate or Bev? Um, and, and, and Kate, you were completely comfortable with, uh, with, with it being Bev first, weren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Unless people are just m- melding our name together. And then probably Kev is better than Bait, we think. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you choose. So many options yeah. for you, Lee. Yeah, yeah. The answer yeah. to most things, to be fair. So just just for uh, just for clarity, is Kev at Clear Thinking an email address? It's not, but it could be. Yeah, not not yet, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Okay. Yeah, yeah not perfect, yet. perfect. So for those people who don't know who Kev is or, or Bev and Kate are, um, who are Bev and Kate? What is Clear Thinking? And I think I guess if we go to you first, Bev, um, who are you? <laughs> who are you who are you it sounds like a football chant already yeah. um so yeah i am bev i am half of the clear thinking partnership and i've been hanging around with um the other half of clear thinking for oh 20 years or so it's like a marriage we've been together forever um and yeah our paths crossed a few years ago and we worked together in our corporate lives and then ended up here together so yeah so this is the voice of bev yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And who are you, Kate? I feel compelled now to say this is the voice of Kate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yes, I'm, I'm the other half of Clear Thinking. Um, and, yeah, as Bev says, we've been together as the Clear Thinking Partnership for 14 years now and counting. Um, and then prior to that, we were um, we both worked for Argos, actually. Um, our careers kind of met at that point and then kind of egged each other on and said, we should do this ourselves. And so, yeah, 14 years ago, that's that was what we decided to do and, th- and said to ourselves, well, do you know what? If it doesn't work, we can just get another job. It'll be fine. And luckily, we haven't had to do that yet. And yeah. uh, here's hoping, here's hoping yeah. we don't. I was just about to say that there's there's always time for that case. Yeah, so, I know. Do you know what? I think we're probably unemployable by now because we love working for ourselves so much. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll we'll stick with clear thinking if that's okay. Yeah, no, good on you, good on you. So, what is clear thinking? What is clear thinking, Kurt? So that is a very good question, Lee. And for the last fourteen years, we've probably wrestled with it a little. But I think that 
what we found out is that we are really good at creating environments where good thinking is inevitable. So we love working with other people. We work with individuals. We work with groups of people. But I think the theme that runs through it is we are very much, um, we, we think that the wisdom is in the room. So we're very much into people being themselves, creating ease, um, allowing people to really bring great thinking to the fore, which generally then allows teams to get on better, to work more seamlessly, to, to do great things together. So that's the sort of focus that we take on allowing people to, I guess, be themselves at work and, and do good, do good things. Yeah. What, but I guess, what problems do you solve, Bev? Um, so I think we make thinking into a doing. So I, what I've noticed, and, and I know that Kate will have seen the same thing, is that people are so busy doing the doing. There's tasks, there's to-do lists, there's things to make happen. And they often forfeit the time that they need to do the really good quality thinking um, that will enable them to make the best decisions and do the really good doing. So I really see people getting trapped in this detail of doing and not really thinking, genuinely not really thinking because there isn't time for that. And also they feel guilty about spending time at work thinking because how do you quantify that? You can't say, look, here's this report I did versus I spent two hours thinking about something. But I think some of the greatest minds in the world, some of the greatest business minds do the thinking. It's what they spend their time doing so they can make the best possible choices and decisions. So I think that's the problem that more and more we are solving. We're giving people that space to do the thinking that then is a catalyst for the work that they need to do, which is the doing. And in amongst all of that, there's a bit of being as well in helping people see how they want to be in that moment. Okay, so is it... Is it any form of doing and thinking that you that you focus on? So is it any particular type of business challenge or is it just creating that that uh, that thinking space to allow the doing irrelevant of the problem? What what is it where is it that you you typically tackle? Oh, you're doing a lot of thinking there, Kate. Yeah, Was that I mean, your thinking first? I've got a proper thinking face. It's a real scowly one as well. Bev always is a bit worried when I have my thinking face on because she thinks there's something wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> But no, there's there's no there's never anything wrong. But I do like a bit of thinking. Um, the tram lines on my forehead are testament to that. Um, but as you were talking, Lee, I, I was just kind of doing that whole mental shuffle of, is there a particular type? And actually, I don't think there is. I genuinely think that the environment that we bring will fit into any challenge. Because I think about the the kind of scope of clients that we work with, and there's real variety. And I think that probably is something to do with Bev and I love variety we love new different shiny we're, we're into that but also we we just don't ever want to be bored so that does allow us to say yes to a lot of things that sometimes we probably shouldn't say yes to but it does mean that we've worked with a huge variety of different people as individuals or as teams but the thing that they have in common is they want to do better thinking either if it's together or separately um so yeah, I think actually it can apply to to anything. Yeah. 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 Okay. Any any build on that, Bev? Yeah. So I'd say some of the themes that have been emerging recently are around business recovery because we are where we are in terms of the world of COVID, and so that's a real focus. And there's been there's also a focus on teams feeling like teams even when they can't see one another and can't be together. 
so I think part of part of the or some of the assignments that we're being involved in um, over the next or over the last six months and going into the next 12 months are all about how do we make this team still feel like a team when we can't do what we would naturally do as a team. So so there are two things that I really notice and also um, work just around improving conversation. And it doesn't matter who it's between. It can be between within the team or it can be with the team and their clients, whoever they are internally or externally. So so that, for me, seems to be a theme at the moment of some of the work that we're doing. Why do you think we don't think enough? Why do you think that we, we people are so busy doing that they don't stop to think? My favourite quote, in fact, actually, is, uh, is Socrates. Is I can't teach anybody anything. I can only make them think. And for a couple of my courses, I've got to achieve, um, to achieve different. You've got to think and do different. And... So the, this thinking thing is what, what I find is people don't reflect enough. They don't stop and they're just they're, they're happier doing. But why don't people, if the benefit is in, is in that, that space, what prevents people from thinking? Kate? I do think it's a little bit like Bev said before, that people deprioritize it because it's not a thing. They can say that they did and feel confident that it's valuable enough, which is faintly ridiculous because I guess all of us are saying that thinking is such an important starting point for anything um, but the the way that business seems to run is that you know task completion KPI you know show me what you've been show me what you've been up to and that's less easy to say well actually I have been just doing good quality thinking um, I think we see people deprioritize the time that they spend developing themselves for the same reason that it's it feels a bit luxurious it feels like a I'll do that when I've got nothing else to do whereas it should be that I'll do that first whatever else I've got to do because it has such a an important sort of influence on the end result it's one of them isn't it you know instinctively that that's what you should be doing but we very often don't do what we should be doing but we kind of go for what everybody else is doing. Yeah, it's on, it, it's it's a lot harder to quantify, isn't it, in terms of the metrics of the conversations that they're having each day. What What's your take on it, Bev? So I have a quote for you as well. So this is a Nancy Klein quote, and it's the quality of everything we do depends on the quality of the thinking we do first. I'm not even sure Nancy said it. I think somebody within the time to think um, um, group said it at some point, and, and it's certainly been attributed in Nancy's work. And that's the thing for me, because everything we think affects how we feel, which affects how we behave. So obviously, the quality of the thinking we do, if there's an action that follows that, it makes sense that we do that thinking well and we invest time in it. And what still surprises me in a really nice way is when you get to the end of a session with a group or an individual and they say oh I've really enjoyed this time to think I never make time to think wouldn't it be great if we spent more time thinking and they really notice how it makes them feel calm and at ease and like they're really connected to the important work that they do rather than just juggling the stuff that's required to um, fulfill an objective or whatever so that pause and that slowing down and like you were saying before Lee we know it's important to reflect and people don't do it when it doesn't feel active so I think possibly there's something that Kate and I do that makes this thinking, although we slow people right down, it makes people feel like it's really active. You're doing something and then you get caught up in it and you realise that actually you've done some of your best thinking. There is there is something new and different that is occurring to you that hasn't been there before because of the coming together of those minds. I have never said this sentence before that I'm saying now and it's because you've triggered that in asking the questions and, and building on what Kate said and what you've said. 
And there's something really amazing about allowing that thinking to emerge and see where it goes, not in a bimbling kind of could go anywhere kind of way, although that's nice sometimes, but in a really constructive way that that solves a business problem. How do you articulate the benefits of thinking? So I guess there's a, there's there's three there's two or three stages here, isn't there? There's a, there's a creating the compelling need to think, and then there's creating the space to think, and then the the being and doing parts um, that that follow that. Um, how do you create? How do you get people to buy in to the concept that they need to think more? You you smart. There's a little grin on your face there, Bev. I'm going to come to you first because I mean I'm I'm curious about that little grin. Um, so I don't think we tackle it head on. I think um, because we really co-create the work that we do with our clients, I think we get into conversation about what it is they're trying to achieve. And by the time we've created the session with them, it's very active. It's very participative. and But it's all in our minds geared around getting people to think well. But people think in pairs. They think alone. They think in groups. So it's a really active process. So I don't think we overtly say, so what you need now is for us to run a thinking session. I think what we do is it's okay, let's look at what your outcome is. Let's shape some activities. But we know that what is underpinning all of that is we're going to be getting people to do their best thinking in that moment. So I think we do it accidentally rather than, well, no, it is deliberate, but we don't, I don't think we tackle it head on, but Kate might have a different experience. You don't have a different experience. No, I don't. I agree with you. I was just thinking about how people often underrate and underestimate their ability to think. And so tackling it head on perhaps is just quite scary for people. Um, Often we're in sessions and and you're sort of setting up an activity and people get some space to think out loud with somebody for a matter of minutes and they kind of freeze and say, I can't do it, I can't do it. Um, when you know we all can do it it's just we're not sometimes asked to do that whole sort of you know sit on the spot and just say whatever comes you know into your brain and out of your mouth for some of it for some of us Bev and I we do that pretty well but for other people it's not a natural thing to kind of be able to just blow with whatever thought comes out and be confident that it's okay and it's it's a good thought because people I think are very censored in what they say so therefore, they think their thinking is potentially not as good as somebody else's thinking, whereas we know that getting everybody's thinking out there creates something amazing. And if somebody holds back, then it, I guess, by in essence, the end result can't be quite as amazing because somebody wasn't part of that thinking. Um, so, yeah, so I think that the head on thing probably is a bit terrifying to people, but we, we always have a plan to allow people to think really well. And by the t- time they've done a bit of it, they grow in confidence that actually is a thing that they can do really well. So thank, thank you for that. Um, the, you mentioned the best thinking before, Bev. So to allow people to, to do their best thinking. What's, what's the difference between best thinking and thinking? <laughs> I think best thinking is really... Um free and in the moment it does require some preparation so sometimes it requires some thinking about a really great question before you show up at your meeting or your event so Kate and I more often than not will send out some questions beforehand to get people to think and it might not be the question we ask in the session but that preparation for so many people is really helpful because not everybody likes to think in the moment and aren't be put on the spot so it allows people to get their head into the right space 
and know that they'll be required to think for themselves as themselves in that session and then by creating the right environment where people feel safe and people feel like they're going to be listened to and not interrupted it allows them then to do their best thinking to go we talk about it as them going to the edge of their thinking how far can you go before you need somebody else's thinking and it's like it's um it's like a piece of music it's like a freeform piece of music you don't actually know where it's going to end and quite often what happens um in normal talking environments you get cut off before you get a chance to finish your sentence we don't listen to the very end of what someone has to say in order to hear all of the words and be surprised by the uniqueness of their thinking so best thinking is that when it's gone all the way to the very end and you've properly run out of think and it's it's gone where you wanted it to go as an individual and it creates something in the mind of another person or it might just create something in the, in your mind it allows you because often people are thinking about a particular thing they want to fix they've got a problem and so we help them to think around that challenge so it exploring all the corners of that thinking is surprisingly quick given that I'm making it sound like a big amorphous thing but it's surprisingly fast because the mind is very focused on answering the question so a great question focuses somebody's mind on finding an answer if I say let's talk about collaboration we could talk about anything but if we talk if the question is how might we three collaborate really effectively today that is a great question for focusing the mind and that's when we do the best thinking. So there are some things that we do, I think, to elicit the best thinking. Um, and yeah, that's what I would say. So is thinking just in the head? And so what I mean by this is 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 what, you, what you've said there is, is, is about having the thoughts in your head and then speaking them out, being comfortable to speak them out and create an environment where it's happened. But how do you know that somebody isn't filtering between the thought and the, and the speech to make sure that it's actually it's a it's a um a continuous flow from thought to speech and that, that they are fully exhausting it and the reason uh, the reason why i'm asking that is i've been on two stand-up comedy courses i appreciate it doesn't come across um and in in one of the very first ones we did an exercise called rant and rave where we had to pick a subject that we feel really passionate about and then for three minutes solid we were not allowed to stop talking and we just had to purely rant 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 to exhaust our front of mind thoughts on that subject to then hopefully identify a punchline or something creative at the back of it that we weren't all consciously thinking about beforehand so that was what they did um so i guess i'm going to pause there um let bev carry on writing and what are you thinking kate about what i've just said i'm loving the thought of a stand-up comedy course it scares me to death um I am thinking that from what you were talking about, Lee, the onus was very much on you getting everything out of your head, which is to a certain extent true. But there is also in within the environment that we create just an opportunity to be still and say absolutely nothing. If there is nothing for your brain to spew out at that very moment. So as, as Bev was describing it as, as sort of like a, a music before it is but it does have its downtimes and its pauses so there isn't there isn't like a requirement for you to be like a machine gun and have everything flow out of your head it's however it works for you however that thinking naturally comes out of you and 
And I suppose my other thought is you get better with practice. So the first time you perhaps are in the environment that asks you to be in a pair, to think well with each other, perhaps it might feel a little clunky, but the next time you do it, you get what it is and you perhaps feel a little more comfortable and at ease with using that process. Um, so I think we do get better at it. I think we've got better at it. Bev, would you say that you've got better at it as we've kind of gone along? Definitely. I think it becomes, as you start to recognise the value of the thinking and judge it less, it becomes easier. And that's one of the things that really intrigued me about your question, Lee, was about the filtering thing. How do you make sure that someone isn't filtering yeah. the thought as it before it comes out into language? And it doesn't matter. So what if they do? It's not our job to judge somebody else's thinking. Their thinking is absolutely perfect. And, you know, people do that thing where they apologise. And it reminded me with the rant and rave thing. But I want to do rant and rave thinking now. Um, but <laughs> it, it, it made me think about it with that, where people go, oh, I'm really sorry, I'm ranting now. And I go, no, it's lovely. Just keep going. Just where where else are you going to go next? So that genuine curiosity that you can bring to somebody else's thinking, you don't need to be a trained professional to do that. You can just be interested. Um, and and really letting them say it all. And there's a lot of thinking that goes on inside our heads that we don't speak out loud. And that's all right as well. So not everything, particularly if we don't feel comfortable perhaps with something that we think, we think it would be unpalatable to someone else. Whilst in an ideal world, we want people to say what's on their mind. We do censor some stuff, but it doesn't mean the thinking's not happening. It doesn't mean that you're not changing your mind. It, it It's still in there. And, and I, what I love about people speaking their thinking is that it takes on a different quality when it's in front of them, when it's like there, I'm gesturing. That doesn't work well in a podcast, does it? It's, it's fine. Um, <laughs> imagine a ball of words in front of your face having emerged through your mouth. Um, but that, um, it takes on different quality. When people say it out loud, they speak it into the room, they go, oh, oh, I don't know whether I like that very much anymore. No, that's not what I mean. Because often it sounds and feels different inside their head. So um, so I think originally you were saying, does it all just happen in your head? Well, kind of. It comes out and we do something with it when we can see it in front of us, but it is going on in our heads as well. All of that's fine. It doesn't matter what somebody thinks. It doesn't matter. I don't know. That's quite controversial. It, um, <laughs> it, uh -huh. it um, It's not when you're listening to someone else it really isn't if you really want them to think to the edge of their thinking then don't judge their thinking just encourage them through your attention to let them think in whatever way they want to think knowing that they'll be okay and it's it's fine for them to do that so thank you and you've been doing this for 14 years did you say um and have you always been called clear thinking i guess my question is have you, is it always been called clear thinking and at what point did you decide on the thinking thing what was the what was the thought that made you realize that thinking was where it was you were going to focus for the 14 years Kate's well, going to answer this yeah, <laughs> I, so I have a picture in my mind as to where I was when Bev first uttered the words clear thinking out of her mouth we were on a telephone call uh, it was a long time ago um, Bev actually was halfway through an NLP training course and she rang me up and we were just chatting about how it went and she said um there's these two great girls on our course and they've got a business called Clear Thinking. And I was like, oh, that sounds good. I'm quite jealous. And she was like, actually, no, I've made that up. But I really think that we should have a business called Clear Thinking. So I was very glad that she'd been fibbing at that point because that was so we were like, yeah, that sounds cool. We like we like that a lot. 
Um, and I think that we probably would be lying if we said that all of our 14 years have been solely dedicated to clear thinking. But I, re I really remember quite early on doing a, a sort of, you know, one of those events where loads of HR directors come and speak to you. And everybody to a person said, the almost the first thing they uttered was, oh, clear thinking, I could do with a bit of that. So we, we kind of knew that we were, I guess, onto something in terms of people really desire it. But I guess we go back to that thought and that conversation we've just had about what people think they need and what people actually do are two different things. So I, I feel like we've honed over the years our ability to create environments where people fall into clear thinking whether they know it or not perfect i love that love that um what's the dream for clear thinking then bev uh, do you know I, we don't have a dream we've um we <laughs> i don't think we've we've never had a big plan we've always just gone with the flow we've always had an idea about what we want our lives to be like um, and so we just do whatever feels right it's about the experience for kate and i no world domination in the dream we would love for more people to think clearly, not to suffer through their thinking, because that is the other thing, that people suffer an awful lot when they drag up their thinking from the past and they imagine the thinking of the future and it clouds the moment. They don't enjoy the moment that they're in because they're always hoping for what if or I'll be happy when and all that stuff comes into the work we do as well, where people have dreams and ambitions or things they're just jealous of because they can't have. Um, and it consumes them. So wouldn't it be great if everyone could just think well for themselves in the moment, think as themselves. Um, and that's as big as the dream gets. So so um, as a, a business, I don't I don't we don't really have we, massive ambitions because it's just the whole experience for us is so different to being part of a corporate organisation because we get to spend time doing lovely things like this and all manner of other stuff that we can just go do you fancy doing that let's do it let's make that happen and that's just that's just life and that makes our work not feel like work it makes it just most of the time makes it feel just like life yeah. um and you know what if we're not what if something happens to us tomorrow and we're not here i don't want to have i personally don't want to have put off lots of nice work experiences till or or life experiences until some point in the future because we were running on a on a treadmill towards something else, so so that that's me in terms yes. of the dream. But Kate, if Kate has a different dream for the business, we are in so much trouble now. Yeah. <laughs> you were the man instrumental in spitting up the the dream team. Yeah. You're not, you're off the hook. Um, but yeah, as Bev was talking, I was thinking, yeah, I like that. And I think for me, I think our dream absolutely is a little bit like we were talking about before, being in the moment and enjoying what what is. We get to spend our time with brilliant other people we we get to choose what we do which is fantastic very early on we decided wasn't it great to have a business that you could kind of work with a client and then decide you were never going to work with them again and we've done that um because that's that is the great choice that we get because we we like surrounding ourselves with people who are fascinating happy quirky all of those different things and some people you meet you're like hmm that was not a good experience. Um, so if we can carry on doing that and for it to feel not like work, because it doesn't doesn't ever feel, well, it, it sometimes does feel a little bit like work because <laughs> we do too much. But um, for it not to feel like grind, which it never does, um, but just to be fascinated every day with the conversations and the people that we meet, then if that's our plan, then I'm pretty happy for that to, to continue to be the plan. 
Yeah, no, I love I love that. And when Bev was speaking, Kate, you were nodding and smiling throughout that as, as well. So no, it's, it's good to see you both fully aligned and on this journey, but but both comfortable in knowing that actually where it ends up is is where it will end up and stuff. And you, you you're happy with that the path that you're that you're treading. Um, we've spoke about thinking now for probably about thirty five minutes. If somebody wanted to think better. How can somebody think better for themselves? What do they What do they need? How can they do it? Um, what advice do you have, Bev? So I'd start with find someone to be a partner in your thinking. Find someone to think with. Because having the undivided attention of another human being who'll just listen to you without interruption is amazing and so scarce in our environment at home and at work because for most of us what happens is we start thinking out loud and someone cuts in and gives us some advice but if you can find somebody who you can say let's think together I am going to think out loud I don't want you to interrupt me I'm just going to think out loud about this problem I just want you to give me your very best attention and see where my thinking goes that that in itself is transformative for people so that would be an amazing start for people and and just to get used to the sound of your own voice just get used to hearing your thoughts and um, accepting the silences and the pauses in your thinking and not feeling that your um that your wisdom comes from somewhere else it doesn't you are wise inside your head if you give yourself chance to think it so yeah find find a partner to think with would be my first thing and we did that 14 years ago we did that before then because we were thinking together at work and then we've just become more skilled at some of the mechanics of thinking well together so there are there is some subtlety and some nuance that we build in but finding that partner is the first thing what what do you think Kate yeah I, I agree and I was just thinking about the the kind of qualities in that partner and, and one of the things is just being able to keep quiet and that is such a difficult thing to do for most of us. And I think that that's one of the feedbacks that we often get from people is just the ability to have someone shut up and listen to you can be such an amazing experience that people very often never get. So choose a partner wisely and um, gaffer tape their mouth if you have to, but uh, just, you know. <laughs> Get someone who can do being quiet well, because not that many people can. And I'm certainly not, not a good example, but I have learned to be better, I hope. Um, she's a she's a recovering interrupter. <laughs> As am I. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Lo love that. And what the one thing that's popping into my mind whilst you're talking is is people's definition of coaching is to to find the uh, the solutions from within somebody else through coaching and asking questions. But what you're articulating is something different to coaching, isn't it? And there's a distinct or I'm I'm envisaging there's a uh, there's a there's a line here because in in people's um, uh, views of coaching and what you're talking about um, is there a difference I should really say at the start and what is that difference between thinking and coaching um, there's a bit of a crossover here so um, there's a there's a way of coaching that allows you to um, to get people to think for themselves 
So, so I'm a time to think coach. So that is the thing that I do with people. I do it using Nancy Klein's methodology. And it is all about asking the question, promising that I won't interrupt and then staying quiet so that I promise I, I won't interrupt your thinking until you tell me that you need my thinking. And that allows for the person to work out what it is that is the answer to the question that's troubling them. And genuinely, I think people can work stuff out for themselves. They know what the solution is that's right for them. And we live in a how-to society where you can reach the buttons on your keyboard, type in Google, ask it a question, and there'll be a gazillion pages that come up that say, the answer to your question. So how to collaborate better, how to find more men, how to whatever it happens to be that you want. Someone's got a list of steps that will tell you how to do that. But actually, you already know what's right for you. So so really listening in a coaching environment and not being the clever coach, you know, the clever coach that comes up with a clever question that takes the client on a journey of thinking that's about the coach's thinking, not about their own thinking. I, th I think that's having trained as a coach years ago, before NLP time, I think, Kate, um, yeah, before NLP time, I did my coaching qualification where I would use a structure of questions. And now it's much more about encouraging that, that coachee to really think for themselves and holding back on the wisdom that I have because I know a lot of stuff. I am very clever. I am so wise. So of course I have lots to say. Let me give you my advice. Um, so holding back on that is really hard. Um, but there is a place for that also within Time to Think Coaching where we can share stories and information, but, but not advice. I don't want to tell people how to do their lives because no one likes being told what to do. I don't like being told what to do. Um, so... So, you know, when, when someone says, well, I think you should do that or you're right to do that or it's about time. I said something to my mum the other day. She said, well, I think that's absolutely right. I'm like, how would you know? You don't know what I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so no one is better placed than the individual to know what's right for them. They just need the encouragement to recognise that and to be encouraged to slow down enough to notice that they know. And it goes back to what Kate was saying before. When you put two people together and say, I want you to think about this. And one of them says, I can't think. Yeah, you can. You just need someone to encourage you to do it. Um, so so the corner of coaching that we currently occupy is a subtle and nuanced thing, I think. Yeah, I don't whether you... that answers your question. Does that help help me? So Neely, yeah, Neely, Neely. But what what you've just said actually is um <laughs> is that some coaches they they try to guide the uh, the coachee based on based on their own experiences their own thoughts and they'll they'll maybe ask leading questions or statements with a question mark on the end of as opposed to leading with questions to get the coachee or thinking the thinker to think um so I'm not sure whether I'm confusing things further here if I'm honest um but I'll, I'll but I'll carry on um so <laughs> So I, th I think I think you have actually answered it, Bev. Um, okay, what's your take on this before I uh, dig any deeper? <laughs> well, firstly, my take is that um, I let Bev do most of the coaching because I'm a very good advice giver. Um, however, it was really making me think about not just the coaching interaction, but all of the interactions that we have. We are really, I guess the thing that we are aiming at is to allow people to be so confidently self-sufficient that they don't need us anymore. 
I think, you know, my definition of coaching is that it allows you to, you know, fulfill your own potential and be, be rid of your coach. Whereas I know that sometimes that isn't always the case that people sort of almost feel like I can only do it if my coach is with me. Um, one of, this is just a complete aside, but it makes me think of it. So I'm going to tell you, one of my friends has a friend who reads tarot cards and she has lots of very, very, very high up kind of MDs of big multinational businesses who come to her to have their tarot cards read. And um, if they miss a session or she's ill or whatever, they're absolutely petrified because they've become so reliant on what the tarot cards are telling them about how you run you know, X business. And we do see, we see, I think, coaching sometimes the relationships building like that, whereas actually we are really happy when the people that we work with do what we do, work with us, and then say, actually, we can do this for ourselves now, because that absolutely is our aim, I think, to allow people to get that they can think for themselves and they can think with each other and they can behave um, in a way that allows everybody to come to a kind of an understanding or a, an agreement or a, a plan of action that allows them to go off and just be great at what they do. So that was my take on whatever it was that we were talking about. Yeah. Perfect. No, thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious about tarot cards now and I can't get that thought out of my head. Um, but if you were to both ask a single question to help somebody think more, what would be your go-to question? And I will come to... Bev first because she's smiling and Kate looks in distress. So we'll come to Kate <laughs> seconds. <laughs> so I'll say my question, then I'll just text Kate with the next yeah. question. Yeah. <laughs> so, so do you know, um, this is really, really simple and straightforward and it never gets old. But what do you think and what are your thoughts? And that's it. And then I go and I stay quiet. Thank you. Kate, Kate what's, what is it for you? you say, what else do you think? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, well, but it's what more? What more do you think or feel or want to say? And, and actually the, that combination is just ace. It, and because, because it's so surprising when someone says, well, what do you think? And then they shut up. It's like, really? Yeah. This is amazing. Thank you. Yes, this is what I think. And people then think into that nice gap that you've given them to think into. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. Kate, do you have a, an additional question or uh, are we leaving it at them questions? No, I think we leave it at that. That's perfect. <laughs> Why complicate something that is uh, beautifully simple? Yeah, amazing. Love it. Love it. Uh, question for you then, Kate. What are you having for your tea? Ah, um, so actually, I'm on a diet. Uh, so Jane Plan will be providing my tea for me. And I was saying to bed before, it'll be a salad and something with beans, probably. But uh, the um, Centre Parks is booked for the middle of next month. Um, so I'm, we're going to see my mum and dad. We've not seen them for about 15 months now. Um, so the boys have all grown up a bit. We have a new extra one that they've never even met before. Oh, wow. Um, but, uh, so that'll be really, that'll be really exciting. But yeah, the thought of me in a swimming costume at this moment in time, post lockdown, um, is uh, slightly unappealing. So there we go. I'm being healthy. Oh, good on, good on you. Good on you. And, and look forward and I hope you enjoy Santa Parks as well. That's amazing. Amazing. Bev, what about you? What are you having for your tea? It's a more complex answer. So um, there are four of us at home. I'm having salmon, baked salmon, with some kind of green vegetable and sweet potato. Lily is having barbecue ribs. 
slow roasted barbecue ribs and the boys have got rugby training so they will be driving home from rugby training and picking something up from the shop <laughs> so so is it because when you are sorting out your tea do you go what what are you thinking for tea and because you get you act, you're just accepting all this variation because you you're leaving it up to everybody else is this are you a victim of your own questions bev oh do you know it could be that but no literally we open the drawer and go what is there oh i like that do you like that and that's it and so that's how it's happening tonight so the girls get to play and make their tea on their own and the boys forage for themselves yeah, no, amazing, amazing. I just want to say thank you so much, Bev and Kay and Kev, um, for today. Um, if people want to know more about um, either e- either or either of you or, or clear thinking, where would they go? What would they do? What would they see? Bev? Uh, so come to clearthinkinguk.com. New, spangly, lovely, shiny website as of Ooh. March exists there. And um, Kate, what, where should they look on our website? Where's the best place to go? Blimey, everywhere. There's a contact us button, but go and have a look. There's lots of little videos of us talking, Bev and I sharing our thoughts and our wisdom about whatever it is that we think we do. Um, There are events pages. There's things we do that we invite people to, um, to come and think with us. So yeah, there's lots of lots of good stuff to go and have a little search about. You might end up in our card cafe. So our cards for clear thinking that really help people think clearly, which we haven't talked about at all. So it would be remiss of me not to mention them. Um, and then, yeah, you can probably find out a little bit more about us on LinkedIn. So you can either look for Bev Holden or Kate Miles Roberts. Perfect. Wow. Amazing. Honestly, thank you so much for this conversation this afternoon. I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to know more about uh, each of you individually and uh, and then each of the work. Each either half of uh, of clear thinking and and the combined clear thinking partnership, uh, and and I've had a lot. I've got a lot to think about now. Follow following this as well. So so thank you for sparking a number of thoughts in my mind. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. Good luck with everything on wherever the path leads, and uh, and hopefully I'll get an opportunity to chat with you again very soon. Very soon, Lee. Thank you so much for having us. It's been ace. Thank you, Cheers. Lee. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the business problem solver, or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.